Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Ahoy, Pete. Ahoy, Matt. Ahoy, everybody. Here today to talk to you about the big Star Trek Universe panel at New York Comic Con, the first portion, of course, covering Star Trek Discovery. Next stop, Pete, 930 years in the future for the Star Trek Discovery panel, which uh, played to the biggest the, the biggest convention audience we have seen uh, for Discovery, at least that we've seen in New York, and we've been to all of them. Yes, and could it be, Matt, that after a superlative second season um, on arguably the worst streamer, in the market that Star Trek Discovery, what with Star Trek Picard bringing more attention to that network as it's a hit in the offing, has finally been given the attention it deserves. Parenthetically, I'll mention Pete, since dusting off my all-access account uh, the day of this panel, um, I was struck at what a terrible app they have. I should be able to click on a thing and it works immediately and not take forever to load when on my same phone, YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, HBO, all work fine. But Pete, that's a different situation than I guess this show proper. Uh, seeing the Discovery cast, seeing some of its producers, seeing the season three trailer, which no surprise picks up in a very different time and a very different place than when we last watched the show. Yeah, and since seeing that pouring over the number of uh, details glimpsed in that, I mean, we were uh, told by, uh, you know, Star Trek uh, creative chief Alex Kurtzman at this point that, you know, when they get to the other side uh of these 930 years that they're going to find um a a very different universe than they expect and to see both uh things familiar and at the same time uh foreign and different um you know we had seen the footage of uh michael burnham uh, landing separately than Discovery, and it would seem that the the first bit of the story is going to be them getting back together. Uh, seems to be after a lapse in time, as the trailer uh, you know sells it with uh, Michael Burnham's hair growing out. Um, but we see Matt a Cardassian. We see a Lorian, uh, that of Morn's race from, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine on top of, I believe, um, Andorians occur in a gaggle. Um, we see, uh, what seems to be the, uh, dwindling remains of the United Federation of Planets presented on a flag with, uh, very few stars. So what calamity has uh, has befallen in these 930 years to the uh, to the Federation. Uh, I think the trailer goes a little bit too far by showing uh, Burnham reunite with uh, Tilly. Uh, so we know it's eventually going to happen. We we still don't know who is captain of the Discovery 
just yet, but uh, did everything it needs to do to excite people about the sometime in 2020 third season of Star Trek Discovery. Yes, I suppose if there was one true disappointment from that trailer, it was that they didn't give us a date. And I understand. I get it. They want to preserve the day and date reveal for Picard, which had yet to be revealed at that point in the panel, uh, in this, you know, double length Star Trek universe panel. Um, I'd love to know when, I mean, it's probably fair to conjecture somewhere in the April, May range, but Pete, the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that it's an itch that we can't quite scratch, I guess that's the purpose of it, right? That's your, that's your Mad Men advertising 101. We're talking about it, so it must have worked. Uh, also adds that list of aliens. I know there's a trill or two yes. that appear there. And what an interesting concept if we're going to take this kind of larger, you know, the larger meta commentary that Star Trek always has about our, our real world. How better to appreciate the ideals of the Federation than to go to a time where through whatever mechanism those ideals have been strained to a breaking point or a thinning out point or whatever it might be so that we can really have that discussion about, you know, about having the great Federation society. I mean, let's be honest, from a storytelling standpoint, they couldn't have gone to the future and reached a time where everything was fine, right? Like, what's the story there? There isn't any. You you tell a fish out of water story and it, it just doesn't work. So for them to right. wind it, it up... It can't be a fish in water story. Yeah, you know, right? like, you can't be, hey, guess what? Everything's perfect. The water's great. Come on in. Welcome. Yeah, a, a museum exhibit in, in the Discovery comes through and, wow, let's let's have people look at them and poke and prod them. It, it couldn't happen. You know, greater minds would, would have to, you know, be working on that. And even then, what's the interest? Um, but you mentioning the trills, they had a secondary panel, which we did not attend at the, the Paley Center later in the day. Um, Star Trek Discovery did. And they talked about you know, we will be going to the Trill home world. They're going to be doing quite a bit of, of Trill lore, which I think is super excited. Exciting. Matt, uh, what Dax is uh, the symbiont in, in, you know, the year uh, 3200 or 3300, whenever, whenever they are like, that's, that's really cool as a possibility. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting that the show, uh, maybe not by initial design or phase two design or phase three design or phase four design, but the show in retrospect is kind of, it's been building towards the, the immediate nostalgia that we may have expected, you know, Hey, new Star Trek, let's pick off, pick up where we left off with Cardassians and Trill and Lurians and Andorians and whatnot. And the fact that it kind of made us earn that i think it speaks well for this star trek leadership team because they really are focused on the characters more than let's do a cool thing that you're going to find is cool because oh man they just mentioned richard daystrom yeah the only uh actor we were missing on the panel was michelle yo and given that we've had the great fortune of seeing her before at new york comic-con uh with the discovery cast 
Uh, and in light of the secondary panel with uh, Star Trek Picard coming after that, really tempered that disappointment. And Pete, I just want to pause at this point to say I was struck watching this double-length Star Trek panel coming after a double-length Walking Dead panel. First of all, you know, the extended TV universe now now a rich area to mine where a lot of, you know, a lot of people have given up on the the cinematic universe, obviously the MCU chugging along. Pete, I know Universal tried to get one coming, but whoever the jerk was that messed that up for the mummy, <laughs> I sure hope he doesn't have access to any other. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oop. That was Mr. Alex Kurtzman. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kid a little bit at Kurtzman's expense, but it just kind of it's striking to realize, hey, not everybody can do the MCU at the movies. Now they're trying to do it on TV in, you know, in a way where, for example, the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV and film side didn't have that level of integration. Yeah. And um, this cast is is beloved in a way that and not to say the other ones weren't, but there's no there's no Chakotay in this cast, Matt. There there is nobody you uh, you you hate to love. Um, you, you love them all. And whether it's you know, the, the tremendous ability and, and patience and, and just, you know, heart wearing geekiness of uh, a Doug Jones or a, an adorable uh, Tilly in and Mary Wiseman, a uh, personal favorite of mine in, in Wilson Cruz. And just every time the guy's in a panel, he finds a way to uh relate this to our real world you know it was a was a question about uh in the in the fan q a which is always a roll of the dice as matt knows um that uh you know how are we gonna get to let alone the future but 930 years past the future and he said that you know we're we're gonna need to look to each other to solve the problems of today. And it was just so beautifully and poignantly put as, as he always does. And then, uh, this, this one guy asked a question of Alex Kurtzman. Let's go over here. Yeah. Hi, my name is Matt. Uh, my daughter is eight years old. This is her Star Trek as much as it's my Star Trek. And she gets Aww. to see these diverse faces each week. Um, <laughs> and my question is, I guess, for the actors and the writers uh, alike, how do you marry mighty Star Trek that, that changes people's lives and changes people's trajectories, math, science, powerful women, etc., with you also have to do an action-adventure show each week? I guess my question would be, that I want you to answer, but why would they be mutually exclusive? Mm. Yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to know from you guys, folks, how, you, how that mix gets put together. So, so well, I might Thank you for your question. Thank you. And it's nice because a lot of us have kids too, so that's also been a big factor. So I, we all love hearing that your eight-year-old loves it. That's, that's huge. Um, a big part of the conceit of Discovery was doing a serialized story. And, and a big reason to do it was so that you could be not more invested than people obviously were in the original shows, TNG, etc. But 
new, differently invested, you know, so that you could, by the time you do an episode about Saru losing his ganglia, you know what that means. I mean, to me, that was one of the most beautiful episodes. Like, Doug just the characters and our actors and the writers, it, not to say, oh, it's so easy to do an action scene. Obviously, those kill Jason Zimmerman, who's our real <laughs> next person. He's probably not here sleeping, I hope. But um, our, we're all up here talking about those character moments, you know, and that's really the stuff that lands. And it, so all the kind of genre shows we do at our company, if you don't build it from the inside out, if you're not first invested in the character and the emotion, you're not really going to care about the space situation either. So that's how. Yeah. And please tell your daughter we're really grateful that she's watching today. That, that really is meaningful to us. Absolutely. So Pete, a couple of thoughts heading into that. First of all, we had luckily uh, snagged seats that were theoretically could have been closer, but had a clear shot to the microphones. So that's when I knew I have to, st- yeah, I'll be able to step up before other people can physically make it there. Uh, and I know that you had to defend the seats which had been left empty. No, n- n- you know, nothing left there. You had to defend them while I briefly stepped away to the bathroom because I guess somebody thought, look, and then your Comic Con, here's how you protect your seats. You turn to any of the friends you haven't met yet that are around you and say, Hey, excuse me. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Can you watch my seats? And people say yes, and people respect or, that. Or you leave something in there so yeah. that people know. And uh, this woman came to the seats we were now sitting in. We had been sitting in for a number of minutes. It's not as if we sat down and Matt said, I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Um, we sat down. We were there for a couple of minutes. And there were people attempting to get autographs from the cast of The Walking Dead as we were waiting the uh, Star Trek universe panel and uh, she came back and she attempted to tell me, I'm not even sure she was even sitting in those seats. I think she was in that area. I don't, there were a number of people that moved over. Um, But she called me a name uh, and she even attempted to get security on her side, at which case they said, no, your stuff's not there. You're not there. We're going to have to ask you to leave. I feel no guilt because I mean, truly, I've ne- there's everybody at Comic Con. I'm sure it's the same at San Diego. Everybody at these things, you're bound by your weird fandoms, and yeah. I don't need to be a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh to not appreciate the fact that you're wearing the Yu-Gi-Oh thing on your head, and that's pretty cool for you, and that's good enough for me, even, even though I've never seen it. Um, I may have told the anecdote before. A number of Comic-Cons uh, ago, I step into the bathroom to do what one does, and there's like two Spider-Mans helping zip each other up. I don't think they knew each other. I don't think that they... You know, I'm not trying to suggest anything untoward in the bathroom. It was just a dude needed his Spider-Man suit zipped up from the back, and another dude wearing a costume was going to help him out. You know, Pete, if that doesn't cover the Star Trek spirit, I don't know what does, but be able to have that direct access to the microphone because the seats that were empty that we got um in my head i'm like i don't want to turn this stupid question into like back in 1987 and then in 1994 you know like how do i make it expeditious but also say what i want to say and all that there were points during the panel where i was like 
oh my goodness, I'm not paying attention to the panel because I'm trying to come up with this question word to just write. I'm here to enjoy myself. Um, hopefully my question came out the way I intended. I don't know whether that was Kurtzman's snark. First, I thought it was Kurtzman's snark, his initial response. You know, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. Pete, I now recognize it actually was Kurtzman was game recognizing game in my really intelligent <laughs> question. Um, and the fact that Heather Caden was the one to give most of the response there shows what a great team they are. I'll just mention, side note, Pete, Walking Dead panel, main show, show run by a woman uh, in this double length Walking Dead universe thing, Star Trek. Season three, show run by a woman. You know, most of my question answered not by Uber head of Star Trek and super famous writer guy, Alex Kurtzman, you know, his producing partner, president of Secret Hideout, their production company. You know, that's a good reminder of where we're at, too. You know, the Section 31 Star Trek spinoff to be show run by two women, et cetera, et cetera. But it was... It was an incredible experience to be that close to everybody, to realize that as I'm asking my question, I have every single person on that panel is only looking at me. And for the course of me giving my spiel for 10 seconds, they all, all they were listening to was me. I mean, I'm never going to forget that. Well, they listen to us every week, Matt, as we've heard back. And I'm, I'm not hyperbolizing at all. Um, but you know, you had everybody, but Doug Jones, who was looking at Santa Claus. Well, I think that was after I sat back down, there was a guy not far that, that, yeah, let's circle back to Santa Claus in one second. So <laughs> to get that question out there and then to be honest, Pete, I did not hear most of Heather Caden's response until I listened to the audio in preparation for the podcast, because I was just like, oh my God, there's. SMG, the famous SMG from Walking Dead, star of Star Trek Discovery. There, there's Abe Sapien. I've seen him before. I've seen him in poorly attended panels for uh, that show, Pete Cochise, Falling Skies. And that's not a slam against Falling Skies. Just, you know, it didn't have the draw that Star Trek did. And, and there's, you know, Anthony Rapp. And there's, you know, icon the icon. Well, he's as iconic as Wilson Cruz is, et cetera, et cetera. And then wait, I'm not making eye contact with Heather Caden, who's talking to me. Um, just a super incredible experience to have Kurtzman then at the end say, you know, tell your eight-year-old daughter, thank you for watching the show, words to that effect. You know, Pete, we tease, we tease Kurtzman on the podcast from time to time. You know what? The Mummy movie didn't work out. Eh, whatever. You win some, you lose some. It didn't work out so that it could work out at Star Trek. I have every confidence to my core that Alex Kurtzman and his people, Heather Caden right there with him, uh, Kirsten Beyer, et cetera, et cetera, Chabon, um, Goldsman, uh, all of those people, but Kurtzman at the top, this is the right guy to be running Star Trek now. I know some of our listeners might not be happy to hear that. All I can tell you is, you know, this is... Unless things fall apart terribly, this is the second golden age of Star Trek in terms of multiple shows and all these properties and whatnot. And, you know, I, I, I buy him at his word that that good stuff is being, you know, genuinely created here in the best faith and with the best effort and the best foot forward. Well, it's probably better that uh, Matt got up and blocked me from asking a question about uh, Walter Mosley 
since they did no um, press in New York, uh, considerate to what they've done in the past in the guy's hometown after the, the scandal that broke last month where they dismissed him uh, earlier in the summer. So uh, good on good on Matt uh, getting up there before I did. Back to the Santa Claus thing. I know I was back in my seat. I, earlier I had seen there was an older gentleman who had a white beard who did what, you know, I, I suppose when you reach a certain age or when you're committing to wearing a full beard and it's white, you dress up as Santa Claus. Um, I had taken a picture um, in the hallway headed to the bathroom. I did not take a picture of Santa Claus in the bathroom. I want to stress. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, that's so funny, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say I put in a good word. Um he slowly wanders back, and Doug Jones just looked mesmerized <laughs> and as though it was the funniest thing in the world. For a guy who lives in prosthetics, yes, uh, yes. to to be so captivated by cosplay and and you know, no offense meant a rather mundane one at that, uh, you know, that of real bearded Santa Claus in October. Uh, but yeah, that, that is the spirit of Comic-Con, if ever there was one, represented in an interaction. So Pete, lots of great will, lots of excitement coming out of it. One thing, though, did surprise us. Yeah, they announced at the end, uh, one of the questions was asked, you know, when is Pike and number one going to get their own show with the Enterprise and they continue to remain coy about that, but they said no, no, no announcement just yet, if any, if ever. But uh, the short track with uh, all three of them right now is on uh, CBS All Access right now. The uh, Q&A episode, that featuring, of course, Spock's first day on the USS Enterprise where he gets trapped in a turbo lift with number one uh, is available. We will be podcasting that tomorrow, Tuesday, October 8th on uh, Trek Thursday. Tuesday. Trek Tuesday, baby. On Thursday, October 10th, the trouble with Edward, which we can only imagine is the Tribble uh, episode, will be available. And then uh, we will be bringing you short treks on November 14th, December 12th, and the final one on January 9th, the only Picard-flavored one, Children of Mars, which, of course, will stream two weeks before the premiere of Star Trek Picard. So, yeah, with those short treks, obviously with the exception of the, the Q&A one that, uh, that we'll be podcasting tomorrow, our aim is to podcast them same day. Hopefully, Pete, they remember to upload them. There was no joke. The issue with the first season of Short Treks where CBS just forgot to upload them and then was promoting it. It's up now. No, it's not. And the writers are saying, what do you guys think? Hey, it's legitimately not uploaded to the website, to the app, to anywhere. Somebody at All Access doesn't care about the thing that makes us care about CBS All Access, Star Trek. Yeah, so let's let's hope that we can avoid that um, you know, in the past they had committed to like nine o'clock and, you know, Matt and I would be feverishly, uh, refreshing it at, at eight fifteen and texting each other that it was up. 
and that one night, you know, interacting with, uh, you know, uh, future co-showrunner of the Section 31 show, Bo Yun Kim. And, uh, you know, sh- she's at a loss for this. Uh, the the short trek that, that she and Erica Lippold have written, uh, the Saru-centric one, and uh, arguably the the best one is you know, not showing up. I think it was like 90 minutes later, they finally pushed the button. So let's hope none of that happens. Maybe they can iron this this out in this second season of short tracks or just they're, they're their own button now on uh, CBS all access. So uh, there's that. Certainly the big takeaway from this discovery panel, Star Trek is back. Yes. Currently it's just the short tracks, but those are, Great little bites and uh, just a super, super fun time at the Discovery panel. It's a ways off, Pete, until we will get more Discovery. But, of course, some of those Discovery-era short treks coming fast and furious. How can people talk to you about new Star Trek that's happening this week and into 2020? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,675. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word like it today pete we will be back wait a minute tomorrow talking the latest star trek short trek that the one entitled q a can't wait to dig on to that new star trek but for now pete time to say adios to all the listeners i'm going to give you the final word live long and prosper 